Hi everyone, welcome to Into the Wild. Before we get on to today's show, Nadu and I would like to remind everyone that whilst Into the Wild is a super accessible show, we do occasionally let out the odd swear word. So if you're a young nerd, make sure you tell your parents that. And if you're someone that doesn't like swearing, then I'm sorry for all the shit, pit, fucks, and whacks. Nadia, welcome to the Into the Wild Christmas party. Jingle bells. Mold wine. <laughs> your turn oh uh mince pie too long sorry you're out of the game you're out oh, of the game oh merry christmas ryan what are you drinking red stripe red stripe it was the, you it was the most class. festive looking thing left in my cupboard <laughs> it is isn't it yeah nice white and red i just panicked when you held up your uh, beer because i didn't have any alcohol so i ran and got myself a neat spiced rum <laughs> wow so, well, drink it quickly. A... Let's make this. Let's make this fun. Let's... No, I'm going to. Um, I'm going to a um a, a Christmas Kaylee uh, tonight. So I'm I'm just <laughs> lining my stomach. Have not had neat rum for a while. Oof. Um, that was a. Oh, let's drink this quick and burn some bridges, shall we? <laughs> do you not? Do you have anything to put in it? Well, water. Well, listeners, Ryan's on a boat and he's usually yes. in a house. I must say to everyone, if there is any noises or my audio sounds a little bit, bit weird or a bit different than normal, I'm on a Fear Not, Christina's Narrow Boat in Hackneywick, right alongside Vicky Park. So let's hope it's a quiet Friday night in Hackney. Feels like it. Feels like it. No, no, no it never is. Um, I laugh welcome. sometimes. We couldn't be further away from each other, really, could we? No, we couldn't. In fact, today I've gone further, I've gone further away from you just yeah. doing this. Um, We're both on the water, though. I'm on an island, you're on a boat. I mean, England's also an island. Let's not get into that. Right, okay. Welcome to the last episode of 2023, the Into the Wild Christmas Party. We have got a doozy for you today, and we've got actually a very special guest that's going to be joining for the first time. I'm so excited to bring him in. I'm so excited. This is the first time Same. it's ever happened. He's never been on. He better we not talk about it him up. a lot. There's a reason I've we never do. been on. We do. This is... <laughs> hey! He's slow. Look, he thinks he runs the show. Look, he just comes in without an introduction. <laughs> Get back. Fuck off. Go on. Go away. I'll bring you in in a minute. I just got excited. How dare you oh. even talk? Oh, my God. <laughs> You're such a Scrooge. <laughs> this man is very much part of the Into the Wild family. He's been... Oh my God, it's been like two and a half years I think Oscar's been on the show. He's made an award-winning film with me. He puts up with mine and Nadia's rambling to try and put together a show and he pieces it together like an artist to produce these wonderful episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the show, Into the Wild's producer, Oscar Henderson. Ooh. Just <laughs> screaming into the wild. Hello, I'm Oscar, oh. the man behind the magic. I mean, Jesus, you gave yourself that title, didn't you? You know, someone's got it. <laughs> How are you? And are you excited to be on the show? I know talking is your nightmare. And also, what but... are you drinking, Oscar? Join the game. I'm drinking a glass of water with Cronenberg written on the side of the glass. Yeah, just for posterity. Cronenberg? That's the same as having a beer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't think I've heard the word Cronenberg since I was 15. Yeah, I know. Crony. You're having a crony. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very weird, weird drink, wasn't it? I remember one of my friends used to drink it in school and he was always like the old man of the group. 
It's a very old man drink. I don't actually drink Cronenberg. It's just a glass that has appeared in my uh, glass collection. You just steal the glasses. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, one of those. One of those. Um, Shall we quickly explain why Oscar's here? Um, Because the the nerds listening might be like, WTF? He's usually in the background. What's going on? Um, So we are doing Into the Wild's Christmas Party, which is a quiz which Oscar's going to be hosting. Should we kind of explain what this quiz is, Nadia? Do you want to go ahead? Yeah, let's do it. I think it was my idea. I was lying in bed and I came up with it. There we go. Look, somebody, I've got to to contribute something to the damn (laughs) show. Literally, you can have said that any quicker. Nadia, do you want to introduce it? Yes, it was my idea. (laughs) (laughs) You said, do you want me to introduce it? I'm introducing the whole of it (laughs) from its inception. So, yeah, so this episode, we thought we'd just do a bit of fun and have a bit of a quiz, but also a nod back to 2023. That's what we do at this time of year, don't we? We reflect on the last 12 months and how it's gone, but not just for me and Ryan, for our wildlife nerds that have been on the show in the past, who are our friends, we have asked them to let us know what their favourite animal of 2023, specifically animal, if anyone has put in plant or fungi, they're off the Christmas card list. There's one person that might, and if they have, it's fucked Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Favourite animal of 2023. Oscar is going to, Oscar is here because he's got them all. We don't know them. We're going to hear the animals and we are going to try and guess who was the person that saw it now the only way we would know is if we were paying attention to our friends in the last <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh god this is going to really judge us see? As listening yeah friends i know and, right oh, and then we can see the guess and then i guess m- maybe one of us could keep score and see who gets the most or, or maybe ryan we're working as a team actually should we should we do it no as a team? i think i uh, no i think as always let's battle and see who's okay. better yeah i Brilliant. think that's healthy that's healthy so, so that should be fun. And I'll I'll read out the participants now. It is Indy Green, Megan McCubbin, Chantel Isla Hodgson, Leif Burr-Sweden, and Lucy Lapwing. Brilliant. And Megan McCubbin. I said Megan McCubbin. Yeah, he said that. But <laughs> I like the way sorry. that he just said Chantel. Chantel's yeah. like Madonna. No surname. That's no Chantel Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay. Chris Packham was going to do it, but he's been lackadaisical. He might send it in before the end of the show. <laughs> That's going to make me so anxious and stressed. <laughs> okay, well, Lucy's on it. At any point, we could get a voice note from someone else. Um, before we get onto the quiz, though, and before this spice rum hits me too much, I'm going to introduce a conversation um, because, as well as, like I said, the Into the Wild Christmas party, we've got a lovely chat to introduce to you all, which is uh, from someone called LK, who, if you do not follow LK on Instagram, please do LK Taxidermy. This is a chat about taxidermy. She is a taxidermist. We speak about this industry, about how Elle got into this industry, about how it's done, where she gets the animals from, which I will say now all die from natural causes, and just spoke about how taxidermy can really, especially for Elle, who goes through the entire process, can connect her to the natural world as someone that got into that area arena a bit later. This has been a wonderful way for her to learn about different wildlife and see it in a way that not many of us get to see it. So, Nadia, are you ready to learn a little bit about taxidermy? Do you know, I really am. I think it's a <laughs> fascinating art, and it is an art, Same. and I used to think it was freaky as hell. Mm. And I always associated it in the past, I guess, with like aristocracy and yeah. like white supremacy and all of that horrible stuff. But actually, it seems like with some people, particularly like Elle, there is this really beautiful reverence and respect of our wildlife. And it's something around like 
making their lives kind of last forever and i don't know yeah. it's exciting so i think it, i cool. think it's gone on a new a new wave a new chapter maybe um is a better way to say on it like it has it came from a certain like you said it had these connotations attached to it but i think now in in today it's got a lot more artistic and a bit more wholesomeness around it i think it's a beautiful so here is l talking to me a little bit about taxidermy and we'll be back at the end of this chat for the into the wild christmas quiz um, lovely to meet you. How are you doing? How's your day? I'm very well. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me on my show and for giving space to taxidermy today. <laughs> Already. First sentence, taxidermy's in. I have to get it in <laughs> as soon as possible. Otherwise, it only leads to disappointment. Absolutely. Um, it's only 10am. So have you had a good morning so far? I've had an excellent morning. I have been feathering a barn owl in the studio. <laughs> and just for a little bit of context, that is day four of a long four-day process. Right. And it gets quite tedious at this point. But I actually really like this process because it is when the bird really starts to come to life. And oh, that's exciting. Yeah, you finally see the magic, you know. Yeah. And when you say studio... Now, I say to people, I'm in the Into the Wild studio, and you can see it now. It's just my living room. <laughs> so do you have an actual studio, or is this like Harry Potter covered under the stairs? No, it's absolutely a real studio. However, <laughs> I will just say that when I first started my taxidermy career, it was giving parents lounge. Um, the, the family freezer was where I used to keep my specimens. So I think both of my retrospective parents are very pleased that I've moved on to bigger and um, better things. Or do you mean moved out? That too. That too. <laughs> I'm glad she's moved out, out on, on with her on. career. <laughs> <laughs> a freezer full of specimens. I cannot wait to ask more about that. Um, let's start for people that have no idea what we're talking about. Um, do you want to tell everyone who you are and what you do? Absolutely. I am LK. I am a bird taxidermist. I only work with birds that die of natural causes in my work. And recently I have become a specialist, which means I have gained kind of in-industry credit for the work that I've done. That's so exciting. So I'll exciting. Go, so I don't know. So, well, I've got my first question here, but I kind of want to ask about that. So what... What makes you get that specialist? How okay, so it's uber geeky. So like with any industry, right absolutely. And I'm ready to go. I'm geeking out. Okay, so with any industry, you normally have kind of learning seminars and platforms and conferences mm. where you're able to gain knowledge and speak with others. So essentially what we have is the UK Guild of Taxidermists, which is this faculty that provides a place for you to go, have your work critiqued. And um, every piece that you submit gets marked up against the judging criteria. So how anatomically accurate is it? You know, is there um, the right weight distribution? Have you got the balance Ooh. correct? Have you got the species specific behavior and characteristics through your mount? Um, I need to say it was geeky. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. <laughs> and basically um, for every piece that you achieve, uh, you know, a, a specific grade, mm. you get a credit and over, year, over the years, you can build these credits up to achieve various statuses, including specialist, which is me, um, but also going on to places like being a master, um, an in-industry recognized master. So that's the, that's the horizon. We're, we're working on Imagine it. Imagine <laughs> being a master in taxidermy. I would argue that even if you achieve your in-industry credit to become a master, I think like with lots of other creative professions, mm. it really does take a lifetime to master yeah. it. Um, you are always evolving, always learning, new techniques are always changing. And so it's never just, okay, I've got the, you know, I've got the little rosette. I can just sit and do nothing, it, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
it's you continue to learn no matter absolutely. what stage you're at absolutely. but you we said before we press record that the conservation sector is small <laughs> as in the people we know in it sure so surely the taxidermy world <laughs> must be even smaller you are not wrong, Brian. So uh, most taxidermists, at least in the United Kingdom, will know each other by name. We are a small industry, but what is really beautiful in the last decade that I've been practicing, I've seen mm. how much expansion and the sort of further reaches we've uh, got to with opening the industry up and making it more accessible. So mm. it's really lovely to see this kind of new wave, new generation of taxidermists joining and also to let people know, you know, this is why I'm so grateful, for example, to you today to give taxidermy visibility, to let people know that it is a profession that you can mm. join and that taxidermy is for everyone. It's so cool. So let's, uh, we, so we got to like talk about, it. so how did your journey into taxidermy begin? Like how, how did that happen? Okay. So when I was little, I wanted to be a vet and they just kept dying. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm absolutely joking. So going... Oh my God, imagine. I would have been so happy if that was a reason. I just couldn't keep them alive. That's your soundbite. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, okay, so sadly, going through school, I was much more creative than academic. And I hmm. think there was this... I now know this to be untrue, but this kind of, you are either academic or creative. There's yeah, no yeah. intersections between the two. And so I followed my skill set which was creativity and that kind of spark into science anatomy and biology just wasn't fostered anyway i went to university and i did sculpture while nice. i was at university i kept trying to leave i didn't really feel like i gelled to the course um all my peers and so i went to my tutor as kind of like a last option and, and i said i'm not really happy with what i'm doing help me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they said to me, well, what do you like? I said, animals. I'm interested in biology and anatomy. And they said, right, we're on a sculptural course. What can we do that's three-dimensional that ticks those boxes? And they mm. said to me, taxidermy. Now I would have been hard pressed to tell you what taxidermy was at that time. Yeah. I would have gone to natural history museums, but it wasn't like a light bulb moment, like, oh, stuffed animal. I want to mm. do that. So I went to the library, I pulled a few books and some literature on how to, you know, like skin a fish and tan a hide using a deer's brain. <laughs> I then went to my local pet shop. That's, does, like, that, that's like Netflix murder documentary. Oh books. yeah, that's I've like, heard it. How uh -huh. to use knives. <laughs> I like, did L okay. She's in the library looking <laughs> well, up rope ties. That's the sad thing is I just felt like because I wasn't, enjoying the course mm. and then I chose taxidermy like it really wasn't it wasn't helpful for me to do that but I did <laughs> knuckle down I found that I really loved it it really ticked mm. those boxes that kind of fed into all my curiosities and I went to the local pet shop I kind of said to them look if you lose anything I promise right. I'm, I'm not a psychopath I just really would love the opportunity to work with specimens and have a good um, opportunity to practice Mm. And they managed to keep some specimens for me that had passed away because a lot of the time when animals come through the exotic pet trade and get brought back yeah. to pet shops, they're not in good condition. They've been neglected mm. and they do pass away. So I had a whole array of animals from parrots to gerbils. And um, when I graduated, I realized I would come too far in it. I had no other skills. <laughs> But all taxidermy is. <laughs> I had fallen in love with it. I realized that even though it was niche and mm. I didn't even know if I could make a career of it, I'd found that thing that we spend our lives looking for and I yeah. was going to try. So I started my own business. I did a bit of apprentice apprenticeship 
working with other taxidermists mm. and I traveled abroad to learn the skill from sort of more established schools and faculties that do exist. And um, that's a decade ago. That's amazing. So how long was that process then? So like, so you have you run your business for 10 years. So when you started your business, how long had you been learning the art of taxidermy before you went, right, I'm going to start my business? So I pretty much started my business as soon as I graduated university. Uh, however, I will just say that retrospectively looking back, I do feel as though I perhaps should have waited a bit longer mm. because the specimens were somewhat questionable at times. And I think that's due to lack of experience. Yeah. So I had my business kind of running up in the background and I was doing, like I said, apprentice apprenticeshipping. What's, <laughs> you, what's, you were on an apprenticeship? <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. I do taxidermy, not English. <laughs> At least like not well. you said, it was a very, very tunneled focus university. <laughs> totally, totally. So um, yeah, it's been about a decade. Uh, wow. But I would say that about five to six years of sort of more specific, dedicated practice to yeah. just my business, where I've not been sort of part-time or anything. I've been full-time as a taxidermist every day. And I love it. But that's that, that's a beautiful thing about having a creative job, though, isn't it? I feel like, in hindsight, we can always look back and go, oh, maybe I should have done a bit more experience there, or maybe I should have waited. But it's going at it straight away that makes you be able to look back and go, look how far I've come with this. Whether it's, you know, taxidermy, whether it's, I remember saying that about when I was doing stand-up comedy yeah. throughout my career there. It's like, you go, oh God, that gig was shit. But it's like, yeah, but now I can look back and say it was shit and say, look. Absolutely. You're so right. I mean, it's one of the things, because I teach, I have a mentorship mm. platform. And one of the things I always say to my participants mm. is that those specimens that you first work on might look really shoddy and you might look at them and think oh god I'm not proud of that at all but each specimen that you work on is informing the next one and the mistakes exactly, you make yeah. in one you won't necessarily make them again or you'll refine those mistakes and so every specimen even if you don't feel like you've done it justice you do it does serve a place and it does have a space in your journey and those specimens are just as important even if they don't necessarily look as beautiful as perhaps yeah. down the line Absolutely. So tell me in the freezer at your mum and dad's, what are we talking? Okay. So this is going back yonks because now I only work with birds. So I have in my studio, uh, a much more refined collection of inventory. I used to do a lot of different things. So you'd have your stoats, your pine martins, you'd, all sorts of little mammals. And now it's more songbirds and parrots and birds of prey things like that. I bet birds of prey are cool to do. They are very cool, but they're so nuanced because for example, I'll take an owl, right? Mm. The way that the owl has that facial disc where its eyes are facing forward, its eyes yeah. are not on the side of its head, like a regular bird. Mm. Um, so it just makes it so much more complex and trying to get that disc back in shape. And they've got the ridiculously long, thin, um, wing bones and big, big wings. And same with raptors, they've got such nuanced poses and character and that kind of brow, that funneled brow. And so as wonderful as they are, they are a, a very challenging specimen to mount on. And that's why being a taxidermist, you have to have such a, a keen understanding of real birds, of live birds and bird behavior so that that can translate through your rigid mounts. That's amazing. This is so interesting. All right. So, I'm, I, do you know what? I'm getting sucked into this and thinking of other questions, but I have sent you questions. We have another now. one. So, uh, so uh, you say you now work with uh, birds. Um, yes. So, do you have a favorite species to work with? If you do, why? And if okay. you don't, why? 
I love working on the tiny songbirds. And I think Ooh. that's because when, I mean, I'm a bird watcher. I am a yeah. total self-professed twitcher. And I love <laughs> going out and birding. Such a geek, I told you. <laughs> Do you look at, okay, so when you bird then, are you looking at birds like other birders? Are you looking at them going, I'd love to like work on that? <laughs> I think... A bit of both, but with respect to the latter part. Mm. So I'm not looking at yes. it thinking, please die. I'm yeah. looking at it thinking, if ever <laughs> one was to die, I would. Ha- I, that would be a privilege. That would yeah, be an absolutely. Honor. And I, I think loving birds that are alive really helps me to be so sentimentally and emotionally involved. Mm. I mean, I know you have me on social media, but my work is so intrinsic to me as a person. You know, I love birds. They are so important to my life and they give me so much solace and, and they ground me to the natural world. And yeah. then I have that as my work as well. So I, I'm yeah, just that's like beautiful. feeding all of my loves and desires every day. So I'm very lucky to have found the thing that I just just get so much joy out of that's cool so songbirds are the ones for you they're just so pretty what's not to like and they're they fluffy are. and fat sometimes so my listeners are listening now because they know i'm thinking ryan's saying yes birds are not my thing so they know I, I do like birds i've had to like come back and go i love birds of prey and stuff but my listeners know that, <laughs> that i'm, I'm an insect on guy uh, yeah you were you <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe, are. yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily an insect girl. So I feel like perhaps we have a bit of an exchange here, whereas I can tell you how wonderful birds are and you can get exactly. involved and then vice versa later down the line. Exactly, exactly. So you just said there about like being a birder and being able to see birds and, you, and they ground you, which is, you know, I think that everyone has that part in nature somewhere, whether it's mm-hmm. nature as a, as a whole or like little bits that ground people. How does taxidermy connect you with nature as well? Oh, I love this question. It's a good question. Okay, so taxidermy provides me the most intimate look at animals. And it's a look that most people will never have the opportunity to. Yeah. So purely from the physical, I mean, I can open a buzzard's wings and I can cradle, um, you know, a baby rear in my hands. There are so many incredible moments in my life where I am... I'm I'm fully immersed in the physical of having mm. a bird in my hands, right? And it just gives me such a deeper sense of appreciation. And I mean, it's fascinating. As somebody, like I said at the beginning of our conversation, who loves biology, who loves anatomy, yeah. and who loves science, you're literally just feeding yourself with all of this good stuff every day. And also there's a joy of rediscovery, but also the joy of discovery. So I mm. do not claim to be a bird expert. I don't know every bird. I don't know its genus. I don't know its Latin name. Mm. Uh, and that's the lovely thing is I came to it from an art background, not a science background. So I am learning about birds every day and I'm learning about their behavioral characteristics or perhaps their migratory patterns. Or when I stick a bird into Google for a reference image, I'm seeing what it looks like in transitional plumage. I'm seeing what it might look like when it's a baby and then you know when it's later in its life, close to the end of its life at full adult. It's really remarkable and it's yeah. such an education and that's what I love. Yeah, that's like you're like each specimen you have, you get to go on this scientific discovery about it. Absolutely. It's like being a little mini explorer in my yeah. studio. And I think just to your question, so few people have that in their lives mm. and I'm so lucky to have that. But then also in, in the same breath, you know, it, it gives me that poignancy about the species on our planet and how, you know, we're lost, rings, losing, uh, losing such a huge degradation mm. of species. And it kind of awakens me to 
conservation as a as a larger uh, concept. So I think it's lovely to have that intimacy through the physical, but it does help to inform my wider perceptions yeah. of conservation generally. And what so you say that like so the animals die of natural causes. So I, I think people will be asking this question throughout this whole. Chat. <laughs> it's, like, it must be. It's my fault the whole time. Is where do they come from? Obviously, an array of places, but like, how do they get sent to you? Okay, so. I mostly obtain my specimens through places like zoos, aviculturists, mm. breeders, ornamental breeders, established faculties, and they provide paperwork for all the specimens. But some of the um, more regular kind of common woodland birds or the birds of prey get found by members of the public. Oh, wow. And as long as I can determine that they have died of natural causes, then I'll take them on and apply for the certificate that I require to mm. um, work with them commercially. They come from all sorts of places. And what's amazing is that nine times out of 10, people will think of a taxidermist now. Whereas I'd say sort of five, six, seven years ago, people would see a dead animal and they'd just bury it. But it's becoming yeah. more known and more popular. And then just a final thing, because I think we'll like this. Oh. I receive most of my specimens through the good old post system. Yes, you do. That is what I was going <laughs> to... So because most of the people who find specimens are all over the United Kingdom, right? And I, I don't have enough time to go and physically pick them oh up. Oh, my God. So good old Royal Mail yeah. coming in What hot. if you're out when it gets delivered? That is the risk. The That's the <laughs> you risk. You have to go collect a bar owl from the post office. you got to go begrudgingly to the depot and think, I really hope it doesn't smell. Um, oh but I God. instruct all of the people that find specimens, you know, to package them up properly. Yes, and, don't just um, put it in a paper bag. Do not do that. Don't do that. If you're listening and you find yeah. a bird and you want it made into taxidermy, don't you do don't that. Don't do that. It's more um, of a hate crime if you do that. Definitely <laughs> double bag that. Um, your posties will thank you for it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they come through the post. They normally come um, special delivery before 1 p.m. And oh so God. they arrive still cold. People often send them with uh, ice blocks to keep them cold and insulate them. And the bigger the bird, the more likely they're going to stay cold because it takes a long time for these birds yes, to Yes, of course. Out. But I always have a hiatus in the summer where I'm just like, it's 30 degrees. Do not Do send not me. Send me <laughs> I don't want a robin coming in at 30 degrees because it's not going to stay cold. And the longer <laughs> that it stays intact but, but warm, the um, possibility of decomposition will be exacerbated. Yeah. So. If, if I don't know if you ever plan to write a book. Yes. But if, if you do, can that be the title? No robins above 30 degrees. <laughs> Just that is that. so good because actually I started writing my book. Big spoiler alert. If, please let that be the title. <laughs> I, I'm stuck for a title. So you know what, Ryan? There we go. It's no Robins above 30 degrees. <laughs> it's it's a very apt Christmas title. It might mislead people, but in a good way. So I feel like maybe yep. I should aim for a Christmas publication. Mm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that was my takeaway from today. Change the bird. <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't matter. Just get that in. It's such, and then that can be a title of a chapter as well. Absolutely. Or it oh could be God. a series of books. Yeah. I will give you a um, credit in the uh, acknowledgements. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. That's why I was doing it. <laughs> Ulterior um, motive. Yeah. So let's like. So I don't know much about the process. I strangely though, when I was a stand-up comic, I was hosting a show once and as is very common talk to the audience and asked a member of the public what they did for a living and they were a taxidermist and i was like jack part like this is amazing so, but fire. this was some years ago so i learned a bit about it but obviously it's we see you're very good on social media to show bits of the process about what you do Thank um you. but i think people listening now might be going okay so l gets the birds in the post <laughs> 
they might spend some time in the freezer and then make it to a studio. And I know that everyone's going, what the fuck happens then? You're not wrong. So, so what is the process? How do you start and how do you okay. get to that end beautiful um, bit of art that you have? So I kind of would break it down into four major parts. The first mm. part of the process is skinning the bird. So I won't go into too much detail in case people are listening who might be eating. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you're essentially removing the skin off of the carcass. So right. being careful not to cut through the back of the feather quills. Mm-hmm. And there is technique to it, but it actually is a little bit easier than people think. You don't have to go around every single feather. You can just yeah. tease it away. Once you have the skin extracted from the uh, carcass, we're going to use the carcass for the next part of the process, which is building an anatomically accurate model that represents the carcass. So you want an armature that will still have the weight distribution, that kind of muscle and all that good stuff to help give your bird a core and stability. The third part of the process is usually defatting and defleshing. So crude words, but it does what it says on the tin. So yeah, we know where we're at. <laughs> we want to take off all of the biological material because mm. if you leave anything that has organic properties, then obviously the risk of you know decomposition or yeah. potentially decay will be great. So we want to get rid of all of that. And then um, we preserve the skin. We use an assortment of chemical baths. It depends on how thick your dermis is. Mm -hmm. So if you're working on a mammal, you're going to put the skin through a series of pickles. So you're basically breaking down the enzymes in the skin. This is chemistry. This is the bit I don't love. That's why I do birds. (laughs) (laughs) And then with birds, their skin is a lot thinner. So you don't have to go through quite as much of a kind of tedious process in terms of breaking down those enzymes because the skin's like paper parchment on some of these birds. Um, the songbird skin is like plastic wrap yeah so it just needs like one or two chemical bars and then it's a bubble bath and blow dry which is always a good bit a bubble bath and blow dry oh yeah oh yeah and then the <laughs> final part of the process is basically the synergy it's bringing everything together you're bringing your preserved skin with your armature you're dressing mm. the two together and, hey, presto, you have a bird. No, it's not quite. It's a little bit more nuanced <laughs> And that's that. it. And then you are a taxidermist. <laughs> and there's a couple of elements. Like I said at the beginning of our conversation, you know, I was feathering a barn owl this morning. So placing the feathers back into their original patterns and making sure the bird has that kind of um, cohesive, beautiful streamlined feel. Obviously, birds in the wild do have a little bit more of a rough and tumble Mm. appearance. They're not always perfect, but we want our birds to look as kind of lifelike as possible. Yeah, yeah. As clean and as pure. It's a piece of art at the end of the day. So we want to make sure they look beautiful. And that's it. Amazing. So you take the the feathers out of the skin, do you? No, we leave the feathers on the back of the skin. So essentially, like, imagine you're undoing a jacket. You're kind of zipping a jacket and then peeling the skin away, and the skin has the feathers on its backside. Amazing. So they will go in the chemical bath as well? Everything goes in. Everything goes in. And um, the feathers can be kind of tricky on different specimens because feathers are grown in groups. And mm. if you cross the groups and don't get the groups back in their kind of natural order, the bird just won't look right. So sometimes right. when you see taxidermy and like its wings too low or it's got loads of feathers sticking out or it's kind of patchy, it's just because the skin wasn't put back on the model where it needed to go. Right. Um, and so that comes with experience. Exactly, yeah. And so when when you're replacing the, I'm going to say, I'm going to use a lot of incorrect terminology here. You, so feel free to worry. correct. So when you're like replacing kind of the tissue or the muscle and stuff with other 
bits of material what mm-hmm. do you have common things that you do to replace that is there common materials that you use quite a lot so do you mean so for example other than the armature uh all the kind of extra elements like between the rain radius and yes. armor yeah yes so stuff like you, that. you can use cotton well i actually have a phobia of cotton well <laughs> really yeah i can't it makes me my insides go outside uh- <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I can't touch the stuff. It, it, I, no. It just makes you go. Whoa. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so I use a, a material called toe, which is a little bit like horse hair, and you mm. cut it into strips. I also love to use sustainable materials, so materials yeah. that have more of an eternal life, because as a taxidermist, ultimately you're doing something that is going to have a really long legacy, hopefully. Mm. So using materials that are less synthetic and more eternal is great for sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's so, so interesting. Yeah. So, and you can use uh, sheep's wool as well sometimes as well to like bind to the femur and things like that to create a bit of muscle tone. And do you do, do you do taxidermy for, obviously, so you've got your business, do you just sell them as private commissions or you do you do them for educational that they go to universities museums or anything yeah so i work for museums i work for rehabilitation uh, faculties uh, where they have like an educational walkthrough mm. i have worked for film companies to provide props for Amazing. film and commercials and like you say the majority of my business are art collectors so people that see the value of taxidermy just as a three-dimensional piece of art but also interior designers so if they're doing a wedding or dressing a window or maybe a stately home or something mm. They might want some peacocks, for example. And so there's a lot of different areas that I work with, which is wonderful. And I think a lot of people don't realize quite how much taxidermy is used. Mm. You know, if you watch a military film, for example, and there's a, a scene where you've got the horse and then the horse is dead. That's often taxidermy because animal wrangling used to be big in the 80s. It's not a profession that happens so much anymore, mm. basically just because of loads of legislation. Yeah. Um, and so we use taxidermy. Um, it's for those amazing. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I guess you wouldn't notice, obviously, because it's made to look like it's not taxidermy. <laughs> Precisely, <laughs> so, right? Which is, is a compliment to the the art form. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so people would not realise that. Yeah, it's I. It's, I'm that really annoying person that cannot sit through a film <laughs> or a TV program without being like, "That's taxidermy." Hey, that's look, wind it back. Me. That's taxidermy. No. Um, you just start to have a bit of a trained eye on it. Yeah, never watch a war film with you. Don't, because I'm just going to chew your ear off. And I'll cry a lot because I can't cope. My emotional stability, I'm not there. (laughs) Animals dying, even though I work with animals that are dead. It's actually a really interesting point because I don't have anything to do with the actual transition between life and death. I'm not there for the act of death itself. Yeah. So I have that detachment. So to see an animal cry, like I'll be scrolling on TikTok and I'll see, you know, the, um, you know, veteran dog that's taking his last flight home. And I cannot even, oh, Ryan, God, yeah, I can't no, move no, from the yeah. couch. So, no. you know, it's, um, I, it's it takes interesting. a person that I don't like to be able to watch videos like that and not react emotionally. Precisely. And that's <laughs> like, why we're both having this person. conversation today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no from me. But it's yeah, like, that's... What do, you, what do you mean? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> God, who hurt you? Oh, um... really bad. But that's, that's the amazing thing is taxidermists, we see life. Ironically, mm. I think a lot of people come to a place of, oh my goodness, taxidermy is motivated by brutality. But actually, how could it possibly be? If you if you have any concept of the work that goes into taxidermy, you will know that to be doing such a labor-intensive process, you've got to be driven by love. You've got to be motivated by life and seeing life yeah. and trying to portray life again. 
I think that's the big thing. That's what I was going to add there if you hadn't have done it, was to say to portray life back because a yeah. lot of these scenes that you see, whether it's at a museum, at a university or at a visitor centre, they really tell a story when you're looking at it yeah. as well. It's not just about the animal there. It's the whole ecosystem. It's going, this is where this animals come from. And it's such a beautiful, there's some museums around the world. I remember the um, Natural History Museum in New York is just oh. absolutely... Chef's gas. Yeah, I just I I was blown away when I visited that place, and just I could look as, as if I was at like a wildlife park, kind of, or in the wild. I was just like looking at some of these exhibitions, going the detail here, breathtaking. The, uh, yeah, absolutely breathtaking, and I just think they have such power behind them. And it speaks to legacy because you know that uh, we talked about it very briefly about mm. how you know the degradation of our um, ecosystems and of species. Taxidermy might be one of the last remaining records we actually have of our ecosystem, yeah. of our planet and the species that live on it. And that's why it's so important with regards to taxonomy, not just as our, not just, you know, for posterity, but, but as taxonomy, as a record of life. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's <clears throat> lovely for me to have come full circle as a, somebody who wasn't a scientist, now knowing that my work has validation in that science sphere as data, as a record yeah. of data. It's really cool. <laughs> I say so it's so so amazing um I've got to because you said at the beginning like diversifying the industry now sure. we know conservation is not the most diverse mm -hmm. and it is changing very slowly but it's getting there how diverse is the world of taxonomy and how is that changing Sadly, Ryan, it's still got a long way to go. Uh, yeah. The industry is still incredibly closed and has existed within such specific margins for such a long time that trying to dismantle those uh, thresholds yeah. is something that takes time. Also, because the industry is so small and there are so mm. few of us, there aren't physically enough people to sort of bang the drum and to open up those, those parameters. We need non-industry folk to help us. And because taxidermy is so niche and unknown, until we have platforms like you're giving me today, we're not reaching people. We're not giving them the opportunity to, yeah. to learn about taxidermy and to enter our world. And that's really sad because uh, a lot of non-industry people are immediately, they put up a wall. They don't like taxidermy. They don't know enough about it. It's a knee-jerk reaction to something they don't understand. Mm. And sadly, we see a lot of stereotypical depictions in film where, you know, we're the bad guy, we're the villain, we're the Dexter, we're the, the, the psychopath. Yeah. It's just not helpful to our reputation and to the ultimate longevity and accessibility of our of our futurist taxidermists. So sadly, yeah. not far enough. And so with that, what would you say to everyone listening now about taxidermy if they're interested in it or if you, what message you just want to give out about taxidermy? Taxidermy is for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, what you identify as. The natural world is all of us and we all deserve space in it. Um, if you want to join the industry, welcome. You're so welcome. We're so excited to have you. And it's the most wonderful profession and you will get so much joy out of it i i don't know if you can hear it in my voice this could be you, this could it, be does, you. it does come across now it does come across does it? it does a little bit yeah yeah the passion um, there oh bless me but um yeah i mean i just i cannot sing taxonomy's praises enough i will do this until my dying breath and hopefully mm. I will reach people that also want to join this incredible world and so I hope to see you there and I will say to everyone listening uh Elle's social media is in the write-up of the show. Please visit it because your social media is... But to show taxidermy, honestly, it's been... It's such a... 
a unique thing to actually be following on in, Instagram kind of anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I love seeing all the the finished products you put up, the processes bits. It's thank really you. fascinating. So do give our follow. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show Absolute and sharing pleasure. some words about taxidermy. Ryan, it's been a real treat. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Take care. And to you. There we go. A big thanks to Elle for spending some time with me and having a chat. Um, and like I said, if you are not following Elle on Instagram, do so. Her Instagram is absolutely fantastic. It's in the tag at the write-up of this episode. Um, she shows you the incredible process that is behind taxidermy step by step. And it's just, it, I've learned so much and just kind of been inspired a little bit, I guess, to see nature from different angles. And it's, it's just absolutely wonderful. So do give her a follow. Um, she's very good at engaging with her fans on there. Yeah, it's it's beautiful the way that she moves and handle. Just seeing her handle the animals. Mm. This yeah, is a absolutely. really, really beautiful, respectful thing. Actually, Ryan, uh, you've told me a little bit about uh, processes around actually understanding how to butcher an animal and actually mm. that respect and that the beauty is that. But also, <laughs> if you wanted a laugh, Google taxidermy gone wrong. Yes, absolutely. Abs there's a Christmas calendar that we should have. Okay. Okay. Um, I can also say, before, I don't know if anyone knows, you've just told people that I, I've explained butchery to you. I might oh, need to yeah. give some context. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can give some context if you're happy yeah. to share that with people. Oh, I don't mind yet. So I, the only meat I eat is wild venison um, and I get it from, there's two contacts I do. One guy from Hertfordshire, another guy from Woodland Trust in North London. It's usually Muntjac. It's lead-free shot. I get it in primal cut, so I have to butcher it myself, which I've been learning how to do with the butcher. And it's just been a wonderful, like Nadia said, a wonderful process to learn a bit more about the animal, learn about the muscle types, where it's all connected. So the biology is definitely um, there. But it also has just brought me closer to the food I'm eating as well. Like it, it, roasting a venison joint, knowing that you prepared and made all that, and you know it's come from a kind of sustainable source and environmentally friendly. It's a yeah, it's a feeling that I don't know if there's a word in English to describe, but it's definitely there in some language, I'm sure. Yeah, beautiful. Well, we're growing vegetables for the first time in 2024, and I am sure when that one cherry tomato that we make is oh, ready we will we 100%. will sun dry the hell out of it <laughs> sun dry the one um, right let's get on to the into the wild christmas quiz so oscar ding, 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 ding. over to our christmas host I'm, I'm a bit worried about giving oscar this kind of responsibility i don't want his um confidence to get too high <laughs> wait should we share ours first ryan oh yeah of course nadia what is your animal of 2023 humpback whale i knew it would be I knew it would be. You saw a humpback whale. I you did, saw Oscar. a humpback whale. That's incredible. Not only did I see a humpback whale, I saw a humpback whale, okay, not technically from my bedroom window, but I was looking at the same body of water that was in. So I live on the Isle of Butte, and for about four days, there was a humpback whale just up in Loch Striven, which I can just about see the entrance to Loch Striven from my bedroom window, and it was epic. And this was How about How far weeks could you ago. stretch that? Like if someone saw it in the Atlantic, but they could also see the Atlantic from oh, their bedroom window. <laughs> Ryan, you have to give me that. <laughs> I'll give you that. Purely because I liked all the photos and videos you were sending in the chat. It had to, um, it, it had to have swam past my bedroom window to get to Locksriven, and it had to have swam back out to sea again from it. But it seemed happy enough fishing around in the loch, and um, yeah, it's just this. I can't believe I saw a humpback whale like within walking distance from my house. That's amazing. That's amazing. It is incredible. I'm I'm so envious of that. Um, do you want to know mine? Mine yeah, also happened on the Isle of Bute. Go on. This this oh. two weeks ago, when Ooh. I was there. 
it was for me, and this might come as a shock to long-time listeners of the show, because it's a bird, but it's it's a fucking good bird. I saw my very first, and saw two of them, potentially three, we cannot confirm, white-tailed eagles, Oof. which flew right over, and they were close as well. They couldn't have been more than, what, 100 foot above our head? Oh, if that. oh they were low. Oh, it was amazing. And they just flew directly over me, and it was just like, just... You could see the details of the feathers, and it was so big. And I was just like, it was amazing. It was just, so I'd never seen one before. And it was so sudden and so, it was so peaceful. There were so many of us, and we all suddenly went dead quiet. And everyone just, well, apart from you shouting white tailed eagle. No, it wasn't me. It was Ben Porter. Ben Porter, I do apologize. <laughs> ben Porter, who's just like beautiful, the purest of humans in the world. Just all of a sudden, top of his lungs, scream, white-tailed eagle! Mm. Didn't know he had it in him. And then everyone stopped. And everyone stopped. But it, it was lovely. It was a lovely moment. And of course, you would have been about three foot close to the bird compared to everybody I had else. a good chat. I had a good chat with it. <laughs> <laughs> just catching up. You just got across the bay, are you? Nice. <laughs> oh, I'm um, so, so glad that that was, your, that was your moment. Yeah. And I'm glad that I, I was there it. with you, love. They're special birds. They're special, special birds. And if you haven't seen one, if you haven't seen one and you're listening and you're wondering, like, maybe I did see one once. It's one of them things where you, you, you know. You know. Yeah, you know. I mean, I didn't. Someone did have to shout it, but, you know, it was. Okay. Yeah. But you is were it, hanging um, there. So, so there we go. So we've got humpback whale, white-tailed eagle. Should we go in to see what, what our... What absolute, like, legends. stonkers of... <laughs> We've set the bar, mate. If someone comes in with a woodlouse. I have got one as well. It, it's, it's. Oh, yeah. sorry, um, Oscar. We're forgetting you there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not usually here, so it's okay. Um, but I live quite close to Glastonbury, and there's, and this is on the topic of um taxidermy as well. Possibly taxidermy mm. gone wrong. But I spotted <laughs> in the window of one of the wonderful shops of Glastonbury what uh, was labelled as a gremlin question mark um <laughs> and what this uh, what? what this looked like it was was a sort of mashup of an owl and a bush baby <laughs> i've been back to glastonbury recently and that shop is like gone now and that bush baby owl thing gremlin question mark is also gone and i really really wanted that thing i've wanted it for years are you describing a plot of a film no this is just life there are so many questions that both Ryan and I have, and Ryan hasn't even said anything yet. First of all, you kind of played with the rules of the game a little bit, which is fine. <laughs> First of all, not the game. <laughs> Second of all, are you just using this as an opportunity to let everybody know out there that you are looking to buy a bush baby slash owl, and if there's one of it, what the Look, hell? If you want to get in contact with me, you can find me at oscar.creates on instagram um, where you'll see beautiful nature landscapes incredible photography and also you'll be able to contact That's me there amazing. to um let me know about any of your uh, gremlins um that you might want to i will have to say at this point sorry to interrupt a boat has just started its engine so there's nothing i can do about this but i do apologize to the listeners if when okay I'm talking, in that case i'm going to talk to oscar and we can cut your uh, microphone that's fine yes. so oscar i actually do know about this so um in kind of late edwardian victorian times um they they were a weird bunch that was a weird 
time in our history where they were kind of obsessed with death, but also obsessed with traveling the world and finding really rare, bizarre species and bringing them back. This is kind of really a part of our taxidermy history. And um, to the point where they did, you know, they had those like freak shows and circus shows, like with a bearded woman and everything. They were kind of like obsessed with the, the obtuse, the weird, the bizarre. And people did taxidermy different animals together to say, look at this creature I found. And actually, I was in Strasbourg, maybe 2018, and I, in an antique, in a, in a shop window in antique shops, saw the most horrific kind of beaver cum squirrel <laughs> cum something all stitched together. And I have a photograph of this, and I'm going to send it to oh, you. you. And I might even put it on the Into the Wild Instagram so that people can see. Yes. I'm going to keep an eye out for these mashups, and I'm going to get Oscar one if it's under 20 quid, mm. which it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> how much was it oscar do you remember i think it i think it was over 100 quid which was why i sort of staved oh. off my desire for the <laughs> oh yeah oh well. man okay me and ryan are like 2024 christmas present for oscar <laughs> yeah there we go we'll, we'll, we could ask l yeah well would you mash it up <laughs> well i just imagine that she's got things that maybe went wrong She's got things that were a bit skewy. She's like, <laughs> you've got any working progresses. <laughs> and we'll just say, hey, stitch them together. Yeah, stitch I them together. I just get two of your choice. Could go so wrong that you accidentally stitch another animal onto. Uh, well, it could be the it could be the case of where you're like, what more could go wrong? Fuck it, put the giraffe on it. <laughs> <laughs> the giraffe with duck feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's start this quiz. Oscar, it's over to you, my man. Ask us the first question. Well, welcome. Da-da-da. Royalty-free music. That's um, <laughs> um, not the way he's doing that. He's going to put it in. Yep. <laughs> welcome to the Christmas Into the Wild Animal Guessing Quiz. <laughs> the first animal is Rynek. Rynek. I thought you said Ryanair. No, Rynek. No, Rynek. Okay, so Leif... Isla, Chantel, Lucy, Megan, or Indy. Okay, so it's a bird. So let's think about... So and then we are going to work as a team, Ryan. Come on. Okay, well, then Isla, Chantel, and Leif are definitely gone then. I think so too. Um, so I what, think what, I like, know. Okay, so Ryanek, I We didn't stipulate UK. No, we. Do. in fact, I actually said to three people, it doesn't have to be UK. Shit. So that but makes I think it harder because I'm is. trying to think where do Rynex show up in the UK? So they show up on the East Coast. But then I've no, also had them in Cornwall as well. Oh I god. I think can I can I make can I throw a name out? What? I think it's Indy. I it's think it's a nerdy when bird. He, well it's a nerdy bird and he also I think he saw them when he went back to the Netherlands. Did he or did he not? on eight out of 10 bats have a wry neck feather. Exactly. And I think, I think it is. I think he saw a breeding pair. Indy, if this is you. It's a, I, I'm e- going to go. This was easy. Are you locking in? <laughs> I'm going to lock in we... Indy on my side. We're locking in. We're locking in Indy Green. We're locking in Indy Green in the wry neck. All right. I'm happy to say you are absolutely correct. Yes! Let's listen to his voice note. Let's hear it. Let's hear why. Hello, this is Indy, and my animal of 2023 was a Rynek. 
Now this is because I saw my first ever Rynek in the Netherlands on my birthday while in the passenger seat of a sidecar and that has got to be some sort of world record. Wow. There we go. There you go. A nice. Side car. Right. See, is that what I'm imagining? <laughs> Who was it? What was it? An Ardman tour guide, was it, with Wallace and Gromit? <laughs> That's cool. Oh, thanks, oh, amazing. Really that just shows that I listen to him. He talks a lot about birds, shows I listen. Mm, yeah. 10 friendship points. They're very there interesting looking little sparrow sized birds, which have incredibly cool sort of camouflage that if, if one was on a tree branch, you can just imagine you just wouldn't be able to see it. I'm so excited for Oscar to describe every single animal that comes I know, I'm, uh, this is a great new feature. <laughs> this is this is just from me looking at a picture of one right now. It's just, they, they are pretty yeah. cool. Oh, I didn't assume that you just knew. <laughs> I knew things. I guess there was a picture. He knew, he knew Rynex. Rynex are cool, I've seen one, I've seen many. All right. Right, let's go for number two. What animal's next? next? Basking shark. Basking now. shark. Now. Okay, now, it would be too... I, it cannot be Isla's animal of the year because she it sees those be. all the time. I told her not to pick a nudibranch because that would be too obvious for Isla. Okay, let's just... Do you know what? I reckon it's Megs. Do you reckon it's Megs? I know she likes she sharks. moved up to She moved up to Scotland this year. Right, so she, there's... Okay, and then... So if she's seen them this year, it would stick out because Isla sees them every year. Not going to be Isla. If, if I, I know it's not Lucy and Leigh. Chantel, Unless I am not I listening not to them too. <laughs> I don't think Chantel's seen one. Wait, did they did they see a basking shark when they went down south to Devon for summer? No, no, Lucy would have told me. I reckon, but what if if Megs has moved to Scotland, then I'd say Megs. Okay, are but we she going? Hasn't, I've not we seen anything from her. To, uh... Are we going to lock it in? Let's lock in Megs, let's lock in Megs, but we're gonna if lock that's in weird, Megs. shit if it's Lucy or Lee. Locking in with Megan. I'm happy to say, you are correct! Yeah! Boom! Boom! Yeah, yes. you're doing pretty good. See? Even when she hasn't told us we're listening. <laughs> <laughs> right, and this is the message from Megan. My name is Megan McCubbin, and my favourite animal of 2023 was the basking shark. Now, that species is my ghost species every single time I've gone to see it. And I've tried a lot of times. It's always been there the day before or the day after. It's one of those classic lines, oh, you should have been here yesterday. But no, this year was going to be the year. And I went out to Nen and finally got to see the basking shark. Lived up to every expectation. An amazing animal. Oh, I'm so happy oh, thanks, for Thanks, what it's so nice to see a ghost animal, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm happy. Well, that's a good one, and and I've not seen one yet, so I'm determined. She said she went out to Nen. Where's that? But <laughs> <laughs> what's going on there then? Is it a word? I'm sure it's a place. We'll of some look sort. it up. It's, it's yeah, probably, it yeah. that's yeah. very cool. Nice one. Congratulations, cool. Meg. Nice animal. Um, well done. Right, well done for Oscar. getting a ghost animal. Yeah. Uh, Right, we've got the green sea slug. <gasps> oh. Okay, this is Lucy okay. Olay. This is Lucy Olay. Oh, it could be. Yeah, but I told Isla not to pick a nudibranch. But she, she might. Do, does, is Isla the kind of woman that would listen to you? D is anyone the kind of person that listens <laughs> to Ryan? <laughs> what? Mate, you're a podcast what? host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mum's the only one that listens. No. Um, so I would say. <laughs> I think this is Leif. 
because I think it's the closest to a plant an animal can get. <laughs> it could have just been a leaf in the water. Basically, yeah. He just like um, wished it. I think it could be Lucy. Oh, God. They definitely saw a big sea slug when they were rock pooling down in Dorset or Devon, whichever one of them is. She also, Lucy's been Sorry. rock pooling a lot this year. Oh, fuck. I Which think Leif. One? I honestly think it's Leif. I'm going to I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna, do you want to lock in Leif? I'm going to lock in Leif. Right, Oscar, we're locking in Leif. On Nadia's head, be it. We're a team. Not like this. <laughs> Go on, Oscar. Locked in Leif. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you've done it again. It's Leif first. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> we're smashing this. You're doing pretty good. Right. Oh my God, we are the best friends. <laughs> right, here's what Leif had to say. Hi, my name's Leif for Sweden, and my nature animal highlight of 2023 is a green sea slug, which I found in a rock pool in Dorset back in June. Um, this is literally a little slug which lives in the sea and eats algae. Uh, but what it does is instead of digesting the whole uh, alga, it takes the chloroplasts, puts it effectively into its own skin and uses them to photosynthesize. So this is literally a sea slug, which is powered by the sun, which is awesome. <laughs> I knew you. I yeah. knew that's the reason why. Do you know why. what? Well done. Well done. You 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 called that to a T. <laughs> God, God. Not I think only, you should try I, and guess just... more things that he does. <laughs> it's like fucking. If I have to pick an animal, I'm going to pick one that it's behaves be the like a plant. animal. <laughs> oh, it was yes, either that or a on. stick insect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. What's the next one? Let's make it four out of this four. This is going to be interesting. Right, we've got the Dusky Doris. What is that? I don't. I couldn't even tell you what Dusky Doris is. Sounds but like a lemur. Who have we got left? We've got Lucy and we've got Isla. Yeah, Isla and Chantelle. And Chantelle. Oh, I feel like it's something Chantelle would just say. <laughs> okay, so this isn't a UK animal, is it? A Dusky Doris. So... No, wait. Could it not be a moth? I don't know. Are we looking it up, Oscar? Can you look at look it up and just tell us what no, it is? No, we can't. No, no, Ryan. I don't think that. I, I kind think of think cheating, it's babe. cheating. Yes. You, you. It's on you to know about nature as the host of Into the World. That's that's incredible. That's... That a podcast I started, I can't even dictate the rules anymore. <laughs> dusky Doris. A dusky Doris. It sounds like a, a little primate, but I, I, I don't know if I'm just thinking of Slow Loris. Yeah. I'm gonna go Chantel. And for two <gasps> reasons. One, Go on. Chantel went to Jamaica this year and did lots of wildlife spotting. So maybe the Dusky Doris is something in and Jamaica. Two. Or two, she does love a moth. So I would go with Chantel because I can see her laughing at the name Dusky Doris. That is the... <laughs> I can see also Lucy and Isla laughing at the name Dusky Doris. I can see, I, I, yeah, I can see them, all three of them. Jesus, this is hard. To me, it could be any of them. It really could be any of them. It, because we don't know what it is. <laughs> it's got to be a moth. Are you just thinking that because of the word dusk? If yeah. I give you the scientific name, is that does that does that make things clearer? Oh yeah, sure. Come on. I mean, for me, it'll probably push me further away. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is not going to be good. Onchidorus bilamellata. Absolutely no difference whatsoever. Oh. I haven't got a clue. 
Yeah. Oh, hunky dory, booly balata. <laughs> right. Um, I'm okay. Should we just lock in Chantel? Oh fuck! If it's, I really want to get them all right now, though. I'm going to say Chantel. Yeah, I'm going to go with you for Chantel on this. But, but my reason is literally, I can see her laughing at it. Okay, are you locking in then? Right, we're locking in. Lock in Chantel. We're locking in. All right, let's see what the oh, answer God. is. Hello, my name is Lisa Lapwing, and my favourite oh. animal I saw in 2023 was a dusky Doris. And I didn't even know that a dusky Doris existed until I seen one, and then I googled it. And if you want to know what a dusky Doris is, it's a tiny little type of sea slug, and it looks like a little moo cow, and I just saw it chombling away on the underside of a rock, and it's got these little bum tufts. Oh. And it's just like the epitome of adorableness. Um, something I never knew existed that firmly became a favourite memory of the year. So that is why it's my top animal of 2023. Oh, oh I can't God. believe it. I love her, though. Because she said bum tufts. Yeah. It does help. <laughs> it does help, yeah. Bless her and Leif both picking a sea slug. I know. And we've got Isla next. She's probably picked one. Wow. This, this is, is the problem this with this quiz because... <laughs> but well it's well, alright it's just is what it is isn't I, it so right the next, Why is this a problem? the next two I'm going to read both of them at the same time okay yes good call good right. call we've got one white tailed eagle and two <sighs> a puff adder shy shark this is going to be easy isn't it this is so easy oh Purely guys because... you're letting us down because when I saw the white-tailed eagles, I was stood 10 foot away from Chantel Lindsay. <laughs> okay. But also, I was stood 10 foot away from Isla Hodgson as well. Isla was also there. Shit, so it's gone back to tricky again. Oh, God, this is such an incestuous podcast. So all of our nature <laughs> friends come to a big party where on the Isle of View every Christmas. <laughs> Which is why this happened. I was literally okay. stood in the middle of them. So it could be either yeah. of them. And the shark, the only reason why we're debating or not going to debate this for long is because the other one's a shark. And we, and Isla is part shark. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, yeah. Isla is a shark specialist. As a marine so-called specialist as well. <laughs> so I think right. my gut is telling me the eagle is Chantel and the shark is Isla. But That's exactly what my gut's telling me. But my gut told me that the Dusky Doris was with Chantel, and we were wrong. So we can yeah, either... You are on a boat, which is historically bad for guts. <laughs> is it? I don't know, like, they rock and it makes people feel queasy. Yeah, true. And I have just drunk a very large glass of neat rum. Um, okay. Should we, should we mix it up and just say Isla White-tailed Eagle, Chantel, whatever that shark was? Let's 100%. Let's go outside the box. My gut's telling me it's the other way around, but I'm going to take a risk and put everything you own on that. I support your risk on everything you own. <laughs> Shit. The reveal cometh. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Nadia and all the lovely listeners. This is Chantal Lindsay, and my animal of 2023 is... The White-Tailed Eagle. Oh. Because they're just magnificent. They're our largest bird of prey in the UK. And very recently, I was blessed to see not one, but two. Others saw three for the very first time in a very special place. They were soaring overhead and it was on one of the most magical weekends of the year. 
Oh, oh she's everything there is true. Everything is true. I know it is the most magical weekend. Yes, hundred percent. Oh, that's, well, we got to hear Isla's now. Okay, come Officially. on, let's hear Isla. Go on. Hello, this is Isla Hodgson, and my animal of 2023 is a puff adder shy because I've always wanted to see one, and this year I was lucky enough to see one for myself. They're a tiny little species of shark that's endemic to South Africa. And I love them because they're very small. They are called a puff adder shy shark because they have the same pattern as a species of snake, uh, which is quite vicious. <laughs> it's known for being quite aggressive in South Africa, but this shark is anything but aggressive. It actually curls up into a donut when it's threatened and covers its eyes with its tail Aww. which i think is just the cutest thing and they're a really beautiful little shark and i think they actually challenge our idea or our our, our perceptions of what sharks are so yeah that's my animal of 2023 it was really lush to see one Oh, I love oh, that. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, thank, thank you, you Ida, for sharing that with us. And I will say thank you to every, all our lovely nerdy guests and friends. So thank you, Indy, thank you so Megan, Chantel, Lucy, Leif and Isla. Yeah, thank you so much. Lovely to have your highlights on there. Oh, that was really nice. We did all right. What did we I, get? I mean, you did okay. Half. You did okay. Three out of six. Yeah. We started well and then went downhill. Yeah. Which <laughs> much is the like story my career. of my life. <laughs> You got 50%, so, you know, like... 50%. We and we didn't set a pass, Mark, so... Yeah. We could just say that's that's a pass. Yeah, 20, 20%. That was actually really fun. <laughs> Thanks, Oscar. Oscar, that's nice. I really enjoyed that. I um, That just idea of a shark curling up and covering its eyes with its tail is insanely cute. I know what I'm Googling. <laughs> Going to Google yeah, that straight thank you, away. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for sharing your favorite wildlife moments um and it just goes to kind of like reinforce what we all know is that those i don't know what it does to your mind and body when you have those beautiful mm. connections with our non-human kin takes us outside of ourselves into something so incredibly beautiful and perfect in exactly the way everything from a sea slug with bum tufts to sharks <laughs> that curl up like donuts to eagles which are kind of magnificent powerful representations of Oh, wisdom and power. power and strength yeah. and grace um, and actually what a really lovely breadth an example of breadth of the wildlife that we are so lucky to share our home with and i i hope that for everybody listening that your 2024 is filled with magic moments and it doesn't have to be extraordinary things like a shark you already want to see it could just be a, a fairly common bird that you've never seen before or a mm. butterfly that you've never seen before or just or just you know an amazing wildflower meadow and i hope truly that um you're all now smiling away to yourselves thinking about that special moment you had um, yeah and do you know what like do you know what Send, like dm us on any social media platform or email us at into the wild pod at gmail.com if you want to share specifically what your highlight is if we get um if we get it through we'll share it on our instagram and whatever platform and of course do not forget every sunday we haven't done it for the last couple because we've been away but as of this sunday um weekly nature highlight is back so if you've had a lovely nature highlight or nature moment like Nadia said of any shape size or wherever in the world and you'd like to share it with us then um, just DM us if a photo or video if you have it and if not just describe what you've seen and we'll share it to 
everyone on our social media platforms. Um, from me and Nadia, we would like to just say a huge thank you for this year. This has been lovely. Yeah. We massively, we took a risk, we took a jump and really restructured the show. But it's been, I've, we've learned so much. We've spoken to an incredible amount of people from around the world, um, from, in, from here in the UK to Southern Africa, to South America, to India, all around the world. We've tried to get as many voices on. And we're going into 2024 with some exciting new projects coming up. Yeah, we just hope to keep delivering shows like this, innit? Innit, bruv? Yeah, and special extra thank you to Oscar for making um, yeah. what is essentially lots of ramblings <laughs> sound something like a proper podcast. Oh, yeah. You, Every time. You don't say thank you enough, but I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it. No, thank you so much. You're always very... <laughs> <laughs> the, the ramblings Oscar's drunk at the you, Christmas if you party. had to go through the ramblings that I've been through you <laughs> nah I'm joking we finish just nerds nerds we finish every episode and go oh fuck is that an episode it, it, and then Oscar just <laughs> creates this beautiful flower well I'm looking forward to 2024 I'm excited for us to hang up today and then Oscar message us and say, shit, my audio went wrong. <laughs> oh, I know. I'd love it. I'd oh, love it. Can you imagine? I'm, I'm, for, for listeners who don't know, I'm always the one that's in trouble who hasn't sent the thing. <laughs> it's not a good quality. I think, so I would I love think it that's, if it was you too. I, I think all our listeners have just heard that and gone, yeah, 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 we got that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we knew it wasn't studio booth quality. Yeah, from like it is from Ryan. <laughs> right. Nerds, thank you so much for all your support from 2023. As always, give us a like, a subscribe, a follow, whatever you want to do on social media or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like and if you can afford to give us anything to keep these shows running because um, it is a free platform, then you can visit kofi.com into the wild, forward slash into the wild pod. Anything. Chuck us a fiver. Or, or directly chuck us a fiver. Um, it goes straight back into the show, aka it goes straight to Oscar. I'll for, stop for working too. <laughs> Oscar's, um, Oscar's not doing great at the moment. He really needs to... some, some of us call him Tiny Tim. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's coughing a lot. He's eating reduced salt value baked beans. <laughs> Um, thank you so much, nerds. Um, enjoy your Christmas, your orbit, and we'll see you in 2024. Bye. Bye. Hold up, hold up, nerds. Don't go anywhere, don't go anywhere. That's not the end of the episode. We're nearly at the end. Basically, we were due to have one more guest voice for our Into the Wild Christmas quiz, but due to time pressures, we couldn't get it in time, but we finally got it through, and we wanted to share with you one more nature highlight from 2023, and this one is from the lovely Chris Packham. Hello, Chris Packham here. My favourite nature moment of 2023 was having repeated large red underwing moths resting on the outside of my house every morning when I got up through a certain period of the summer. They weren't coming to the moth trap, not to the light, but they would pitch up on the side of the garage and on the wall at the back of the house. And when I taunted them to get them to flash their large red underwings, it was absolutely joyous. They are such a spectacular species. It was fantastic. I'd only seen them once or twice before, despite them being a common species down here in the south. But that's because they don't come to light. However, my joy was tempered by the fact 
that I later discovered that their caterpillars had been feeding voraciously on a number of small willow trees that I'd planted in the garden. And in fact, they'd completely defoliated them. But then I suppose that's what I planted the trees for. So my anger was very short-lived and I'm just going to plant some more trees and hope they come back next year. Oh, honestly, no one could have said any of those words better than that man. Chris, thank you so much for sharing your nature highlight from 2023. And nerds, now that is the end of the show. Go have a good Christmas and a lovely new year. We'll see you in 2024.